Hello and welcome to episode 15 of the Sheffield Digital Podcast. I'm Ian Broom and I'm joined as usual by directors Mel Kanarek and Chris Diamond. And today we've got something of a skills and recruitment special, as we are here with Chris Hill from North Coders and Louisa Harrison-Walker from Benchmark. Hello to both of you. Hello. Hello. Good afternoon. Um, where should we start? How about um, you can each tell us a bit more about uh, yourselves, but also uh, your companies too. Should we start with you, Louisa? Sure. Um, so I had Benchmark, which is an employment consultancy. So we help people find work and people find jobs and companies find the people they need. Um, I also chair the Sheffield Chamber of Commerce Council, and we were recently commissioned by the Sheffield City Region Combined Authority to conduct a um, big piece of research and produce a report into hard-to-fill vacancies and skills gaps in the region. Um, the recommendation for that came out of the LMI report in 2016. So, yeah, so I kind of sit in a position where I work with employers all across the region, have done actually for the last 15 years. Um, so have quite an insight into their hiring patterns, the barriers that are sometimes put in the way, the challenges they face, um, and the same with uh, the the job seekers and the employees. So, um, yeah, I kind of sit in the middle and mediate between both parties. Hi, I'm uh, Chris. I'm one of the founders of, of North Coders, and uh, we're, we're a coding boot camp. So we train people from all kinds of backgrounds uh, to become software developers. And then on the other end of our course, we work with uh, companies uh, who are looking to bring talent in to, to recruit those people um, and create a, you know, a grassroots uh, sort of talent pipeline here rather than just a traditional pool of candidates that's out there. Great. Okay. Um, let's start off with a question for both of you because if we have got because you do different things, we have questions that are kind of specific to either of you, but let's start with, um, what do you think the digital? What do you think digital companies should be doing about the skills shortage? Do you think is that a good place to start? Uh, Straight in there, isn't it? I'm happy to. Yeah, I'm <laughs> yeah, happy to, to take, to take right. some of Let, that. Yeah. Let's dive in. Let's I mean, it's uh, it's probably a really broad question, but be interested to get your perspectives. Yeah, because I would say from the piece of work that we did, um, obviously we got you know a huge insight, and there's some things that you would say all employers should do. And then there's some things you would say are specific to the CDI sector and then probably some that are specific to our region as well. Um, I think that we were talking before, Mel, it's a very complicated picture and it's a very complicated picture in this region for a number of reasons. Um, but I suppose I would like to talk about the difference between a hard-to-fill vacancy and a skills shortage vacancy because I think the two are different. And I think sometimes employers might create themselves hard-to-fill vacancies which they believe are skill shortages vacancies, if that makes sense. So I'll give you an example of an employer that's based right out in um, Worksop Way. Um, it, you have to have public transport to get there. Um, they want a salesperson and they're wanting to pay 16. And that's okay if that's a pure trainee role, um, but it's not. They want somebody with a bit of experience. So that is not going to be an easy-to-fill role at all. And in three months' time, they'll probably still be sat there with that vacancy empty. They would probably say, I have, I can't get people with the right skills for my job. The reality is they're not paying enough of a salary to attract the right candidate. They're not allowing for travel costs and so on. So that they've created a hard-to-fill vacancy there. So in the first instance, my first check would be, is this actually a skill shortage vacancy where I need to invest in training and development or do I need to look at flexibility of hours, the salary, the benefits? Do I need to look at the whole package I'm offering and making sure it's competitive, reasonable? 
it would be the first thing. So do you think that's something that digital businesses in and around Sheffield are guilty of doing, that they're making their vacancies hard to fill? Some. You couldn't say that for all because there's companies I work with who've got brilliant opportunities, brilliant benefits, brilliant packages, flexible hours, you know, great leadership teams where it's a really attractive proposition. Um, but they might want somebody who's seasoned with experience, which is harder to find. I think that's different from having an unrealistic expectation from the beginning and not pitching it at the right salary to attract the candidate. I have a lot of conversations with people about you either need to raise your salary or lower your expectations. It's one or the other. <laughs> yeah, and that's having those courageous conversations can be difficult mm. because people don't want to hear that. But that's my my role. You know, you go out to the market and that's what you're hearing people tell you. And that's what the candidates are saying. Well, actually, I'm being paid this already there. So that's a commute and it will be less money. It's just not attractive, is it? So I have a responsibility to feed that back tactfully. Is, yeah. it, is it just salary or is it is it the whole package? I remember... Um, was it Dan Pink quite famously talks about you oh, know yeah. the fact that you needed to pay enough to get the money question off the table yeah. and then everything else was incentives you know is, is it work that is going to you know that's going to promote mastery and are you going to have autonomy and you know is it ethically you know the kind of work that you want to be doing yeah. and then it's about people and team and place and you know life how you integrate your lifestyle and all of those things yeah I um, think I think that that question is way more prevalent now than it used to be it used to be a lot more purely about salary but I think flexibility now, smart working. Mm. Um, Dale Carnegie did a survey a couple of years back about the top top 10 reasons people leave their employer and expecting salary to be in the top three. And, and it was number four. The number one reason was lack of faith in the leadership. Right. Um, so actually, <laughs> probably one of the first things that employers can do to make sure that they're attractive to employers is invest in their own leadership team and make sure that they've got a good strong leader at the beginning at the top that people want to follow mm. um so um yeah salary isn't the be all and end all mm -hmm. but that's different for each individual isn't it it's, it's a minefield as an employer because you try to put together a great package and flexibility and what works for one person isn't necessarily what works for another but some stats from the report which i thought was really interesting um of we surveyed around 500 businesses and about 500 employees. So it was a really big survey in terms of, um, you know, reach. Um, but of the, of the employees that responded, only 37% were looking for full-time work. Right. Okay. Yeah. Now that's wow. not a lot, is it? Full time. No, so people wanted, yeah. yeah, flexi time, homeworking, part time. Yeah. And whereas actually when you look at, I'm sorry, you'll hear my paper shuffling now, but you look at um, the employer's, and how many of the roles that they were offering were full-time, it was pretty much like 97% of the jobs on offer yeah. were full-time. Right. Mm -hmm. so and is that even in the high-value jobs? That's not... Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, so straight away there, you've got a mismatch between what people want and what's on offer. Yeah. And, yeah. So, Chris, from, from your perspective, do you see unrealistic expectations either in the people coming on your courses or the employers that you work with? Well, I think that you, you, certainly a lot of the stuff we've just discussed then, um, it, isn't, it isn't just about salary. We see plenty of people uh, coming out of the end of North Coders that will look at probably aim to go from, we recommend between two to three of the partners which we work with that you should be applying, not, you know, don't do any more than that. But we do certainly see people that might take a role at a company that they feel they, they would enjoy their work more or that maybe it's less about benefits as well just about culture and about about what that company you know company values come into it mm. quite a lot and, and what the company does as a business some some of our graduates won't work for certain companies just because of the maybe if they're involved in i don't know money lending or, or gambling or those sorts of instances they just they just don't want to which yeah. we see a lot even those companies could offer 
off the scale salaries and and and, and you know people would be would be earning less elsewhere because that's what they wanted to do and that's what they felt was 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 best for them but we certainly see that uh we've talked about like the you know the, the low salary sales job um outside of Sheffield uh, if they're looking to get people in at, at that level to to bring those people up, then yeah, they probably are just starting too low, and they're not going to get anyone in, at, at, you know, at the bottom of their uh, system to therefore get the people that are good that know the company that you only become good at at selling something. I would imagine for a company if you if you're with that company for for some time, so they're they're going to struggle. I think that's the same in 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 tech as well. I'm, I'm sure. So do, do your yeah. do your you know graduates haven't i have the you know the desire to just get in the door just you know go in you know take whatever salary they're offering just to get in the door at a company that you really want to work with or that you admire or that just does something that you're interested in in order to then you know once you're in you've got much more opportunity to work yourself up or i'd like know. to say that everybody comes with that mindset but they don't unfortunately yeah. i think that's the right mindset isn't it and, and if you I've always in, thought so. yeah and I, yeah, and I think I, I see that that mindset a lot with apprentices. That that mindset, mm. that learning mindset of that. I understand this is a two way relationship. You'll invest in me, and I'll give back to you. Um, I'll give you an example. Last week, we had a, a recent graduate, um, no work, actual solid work experience yet. Got offered twenty to start in a really great office environment. Actually, a really great tech company, supportive, progressive, great benefits, everything. Turned it down because he said, "No, I want twenty five. And he hasn't got anything else on the table, mm. but he's turned it down because he, through his course at uni, that's what he's been told of the salary expectations yeah. that he should yeah. hold out for. So I'm, I'm not saying yeah. it's right or wrong, but. Well, it's, it's never that you should just, you know, you should take what you can get, but you should identify the companies that you really want to work for mm. and then try and get in however you possibly can. I... How, do, how do you know that? How do you know which company to work for if you're just graduating? I don't well, think you do. I think that's a big yeah, challenge. You, you know, your question earlier about what could employers do. I've seen some great examples of employers engaging with people really far, far down, you know, sort of 11, 12, even primary schools, actually, like serious pipeline in that. Mm. Um, but yeah, if you, how would you know? And um, especially if you're not from this region, Sheffield is a unique environment with, you know, 88% of the businesses here are micro SMEs of 10 employees or less. So, you know, that that is, there's no other city like that. So you might be in Leeds or Manchester, you'll graduate. You could probably look at a prospectus of 20, 30 companies and know who they are, what they do roughly. But to get that same market knowledge here, what do it take? Yeah. It takes years, I doesn't it? Maybe it's partly because social marketing has professionalized so much. We used to we used to get a sense of what companies, who worked in companies, because you'd be able to read their social and their blogs and what they wrote about themselves and you kind of get a sense of what the company's really like. Yeah, that's a really good point, actually. You know, now it's, it's difficult Maybe it's not that easy because, no. you know, what's on the surface isn't necessarily what you find once you get in. I think, I think things like Glassdoor are making that easier because uh, people can, um, can review what they can anonymously yeah, yeah. review their own employer or they can certainly review like the, the interview process. Is, that, is Glassdoor uh, well known uh, amongst candidates yeah i mean uh, we're aware of it we we do use it and um my only slight concern with Glassdoor is i don't think it happens that much here but there isn't any way of s- somebody could be underhand there yeah sure and there isn't actually any way of you've been able to challenge anything that isn't yeah what you you know what actually it, happened you'll or, see the worst reviews from people that didn't get the job people yeah. who didn't pass probation <laughs> yeah exactly. you know feel bitter yeah, there, there certainly is. Or competitors. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I yeah. didn't want to say that, but yeah, you know, I mean, some yeah. people are really I'm ruthless, sure aren't in, they? For if there's, you know, talking about like the war for talent, you know, some people are really ruthless like that. Mm. 
Um, I met a chap the other day, I should remain nameless, who was telling me his talent attraction strategy. He literally stood outside the offices of another firm um, that had desirable people to hit them on the lunch to just... Tap them up. Yeah. Yeah, I've heard stories about that happening in Sheffield. Mm. Um, We'll say no more, but Mm. uh, I think it's... It's a tactic um, among many others. I'd like to come back to um, the point you made, Lou, about is it a hard to fill vacancy or is it a skill shortage? And I think, you know, we've had lots of conversations on this podcast in the past and I have conversations all the time about how um, the economy as a whole needs more people with digital skills. Mm-hmm. And particularly if, we'd, if our digital tech sector is going to grow, then it needs more people with digital skills. Did that come out in the survey that you did at all? Or or is it this one of those urban myths and actually we don't have a problem after all? No, that definitely did come out in the survey that, um, like you said, there probably was a time five, ten years ago that digital skills were only required by digital businesses, Mm. whereas now every business requires digital skills. I was talking to an assembly at the UTC recently and saying how, you know, five years ago, maybe seven years ago, social media manager, that wasn't a job. And even in itself, that's actually a job now, which is mm. just, just crazy how mm-hmm. technology has created so many jobs for people. Um, the the number one in the CDI sector. So when we did the report, it was it, we were asked to look at five different sectors. CDI being one. I mean, obviously, there's been more specific pure CDI um, reports since, um, <laughs> but um, we were asked to look at perceived challenges by employers and employees and the number one skill that the creative and digital businesses said they were looking for the the number one missing was innovation there was a tech there was technical skills as well in terms of programming that obviously came out high and so when we talk about skills gaps in that sector um the technical skills there's there's some technical skills that you can upskill you would agree with that wouldn't you you can take Mm -hmm. somebody from here to here and teach them how to do that yeah the whole attitude, aptitude. There are some um, traits that people will come with in terms of their attitude and their approach that you cannot change. So I think I think you can break it down even yeah. further into um, you could have somebody that technically has the capability to do that, to use this, use this package, use this, do this, but they don't have the right attitude or the right culture matched for your business. It's that's probably, a, that's a problem. Sounds yep. like a bit of a euphemism, doesn't it? Innovation. They don't well, probably don't mean the ability to productize and commercialize an idea. They probably mean initiative and the problem ability to solving. solve their own problems. Yes. Without yeah. And what what really concerned management. me when that came back uh, so strongly was in our current academic um, you know system, where is where is innovation as a as a, something as that a we talent. Te- yeah, where is it? I mean, in Sheffield, we have the big challenge, which is great, but not all schools do that. So mm. actually, our school system is an exam factory. It's repeat, regurgitate. And um, it wasn't just the CDI business, actually, that said innovation is the top. That came across in other sectors as well. Um, but yeah, the ability to problem solve, um, and that is not what we teach at mm. all, is it? We don't, we don't teach how to do it in teams. No. Mm. I don't even think we teach how to do it individually, really. really how it's really. done in practice, isn't it? Yeah. I think yeah. I think you see it in primary school, but again, once you get into secondary and it's all about the league tables and, yes. you know, just getting those A's and yeah. getting on to the next step yeah. or ticking the boxes, it just gets thrown out the window. Chris, what about your point of view? Because obviously you're talking to employers as, as well as recruiting people onto your courses. What kind of, of things are they looking for? What are they lacking? 
So, I mean, obviously, uh, literally, we're, we're, we're looking at software development, uh, North Coders, and that's um, when we say, is it is it hard to fill vacancy or is it a skill shortage? I th- would say there's certainly a skill shortage which makes the vacancies hard to fill. Uh, I think that companies um, find those vacancies further down the line much harder to fill because everyone's competing for for the same talent. Everyone's competing around this pool where you might be, yeah, exactly. You can stand outside someone else someone else's office and offer them five thousand pounds more to come and to come and join your company. Uh, probably only for so long though, because uh, you know. And as people move on from companies, it is frustrating because they take a lot of that kind of domain knowledge of what that business does uh, away with them. Uh, so what what we set up to do was really to to create a sort of a, a pipeline of talent into that pool that meant that not everyone was competing for the for for the same talent basically. Um, and obviously, it's hard to keep up because more and more. The companies, the companies come to us now and say, "Oh, we, we, we need we need ten North Coders." Like, right, okay, you know, we need to. Let's. That's why now, you know, I mean, our, our volume has tripled since since this time last year, and we'll, we'll go. We'll do our best to to go at the, without falling over at the pace that, that the companies are asking us asking us to do because. We found in the early days that the like we'd say the early adopters, and you talk about like solutions to the talent gap was right. We're tired of looking in this same pool of talent, and just we just haven't quite got. It isn't like say it isn't just the salary. There's lots of mm, other things. It could even be the brand, uh, yeah. whichever it is. We're not we're not any longer going to try and compete for that talent. We're going to bring in uh, two or three people from you know that are new to it from North Coders, and that felt really really daunting because everyone everyone thinks oh well I haven't got the the kind of senior experts to look after these these sort of uh, grassroots individuals well you know if you just 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 give these people a chance uh, get them in and then one year down the line uh, you know one of the companies we first started working with who I believe has hired eight people now uh, they've actually now got North Coders uh, who are 18 months into working for them and they're leading teams and now they're bringing in the they've they've solved that you know, mid-level developer problem by by right. growing their own, uh, and they probably would have. I'm sure they would have found the the odd mid-level, senior-level developer that he just kept looking, kept looking really, really, really hard. However, would that person now have moved on or not? They seem to really come up, get that sort of loyalty by by bringing someone in that you know that's a good culture fit for you and 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 growing their career within your organisation. You know, it's less likely that person's going to going to move on, and they also enjoy do it. What what's happened to them? They've got their their careers where they want it to be, and that's why they kind of quit their jobs and went to this coding boot camp. And now other people coming in for them to support to do that is like the next the next chapter for them. And if you keep giving people mm. their next chapter in your organisation, then you probably will keep keep them in your organisation. And also, do you know as well, Chris? I, I think. It- People take it personally, don't they, when people leave the business or can um, see it as, oh, you know, well, you know, it's failed or they've not repaid the investment or so on, where change is inevitable and people's situation changes, their personal circumstances change. So people do always move. But if everybody took the attitude of, I'm going to contribute to the ecosystem by growing my own, and when they do move on, all right, it's my loss, but it's someone else's gain. When they lose someone, that'll be their loss and my gain. And I feel if everybody had more of the attitude of investing and developing yep. grassroots up, mm-hmm. we'd have more people mm-hmm. to, rather than we're all robbing Peter to pay Paul at the moment and nobody's benefiting yeah. because nobody's feeding in at that bottom level and giving the opportunity. One, one of the things that struck me um, a little while ago that I think is going to be really interesting is that... Um, well, I mean, we, we, the, the, the latest figures we have, which haven't been released yet, but um, they're going to be in the Tech Nation report when it comes out, um, are that there, there are around 22,000 tech jobs in the, in the Sheffield economy. I can believe um, that. But only about 6,500 are in tech businesses. 
Mm. Absolutely. Right? Yeah. Well, um, yeah. and that that twenty two thousand is is increasing, and and now that a lot of the, the same skills are required by engineering and manufacturing, mm. and you know the, the the industries that make up the majority of of um, Sheffield and this region's economy, mm. the digital density is only one point seven or one point eight or something. So the you know proportionally we've got fewer tech companies for the size of the economy than in other places, and now the rest of the rest of our economy is is requiring the same, the skills, same skills as the tech industry. Yeah. There's going to be even more contention. Mm-hmm. Um, so, Can I ask a question of Chris? Mm. Um, just with regards to the the people that take up your course mm-hmm. and re- either retrain or, or it's yeah. the first opportunity. Um, you're saying about sort of demand. Do you find a challenge now is actually finding enough people that are aware of the benefits of working in this sector and doing those jobs? Is that more of a challenge now? Because when I've gone into even the UTCs or the universities, um, the lack of awareness that some of the students seem to have about the career opportunities mm. available concerns me. And yep. th- who's promoting mm. these jobs to people at <clears throat> young enough age for them to make the right choices to have that pathway? I don't know if you have any thoughts on that, about promotion of those jobs in that sector. I, I mean, I... I... I think the opportunity presents itself well enough. It's a difficult one to answer because we obviously have our own marketing efforts because we require people to, to to come and join North Coders. So that's, so that's what that's what we're specifically looking at. I mean, in terms of the the wider reach of of people thinking that tech is um, a, a good place to be and where they want where they want to, I'm sure a lot of people are quite savvy with that these days. I think one of the main problems is though is that actually there's quite a lot of people out there that that find it unaccessible. Uh, that you know they can't I mean even like let's say North Coast I mean don't get me wrong wherever we can have fellowship opportunities ways we can get people on I just had a meeting uh, actually in, in Leeds this morning with a company who who's you know going to put people on the course and they're taking the attitude of well we're just going to get a few more developers uh, in we we might hire a couple of them we might not but you know like one set up a fellowship program to, to get more like people into people. tech yeah they're going to pay for their travel and things um, yeah. and that's what we need to be doing is, is, is reaching the people that, that think it's unaccessible to them. Let's look at it and say, well, no, I, I'm never going to get there. So what's the point trying? I'm just going to keep, keep uh, work, you know, working in the, in, in the sales. Or well, like the girl, I think I told you about the girl I met at Sheffield College who was mm-hmm. doing a music course and she hated it. And I said, have you looked at doing the software apprenticeship that's coming up, software development apprenticeship that's coming up? She didn't know anything about it. Mm. And I said, that well, you, what you're doing at the moment will transfer really well. And mm-hmm. I talked to her about the career path and said, you know, by this point, this would be roughly the salary you'd get. And she was like, wow. But you think about social mobility, you know, um, what an opportunity for that girl if she mm-hmm. goes down that path. But she wasn't aware of a career path and maybe it's that whole, you have to see it yeah. to be it, you yeah. know? Yeah. Well, yeah. Who are the role models that we have talking to people to make those choices early enough? Yeah. Yeah. But I think everybody has a responsibility to be making sure people people consider it, know about it, mm. and know what the benefits could be. And also as well, as quickly as possible, find out whether or not it is the right choice for them. Mm. So I think that's everybody from yeah. from, the, from the schools to the traditional education providers to the to people like ourselves to people like yourself in recruitment mm. to the employers i think it's everybody needs to that's one thing that, that everyone certainly you might well you know after you finish standing outside each other's offices <laughs> stealing stealing the the yeah. team members uh, you could work together on, on on that part of it yeah yeah i think this issue about um helping people um, of all ages and from all sorts of different backgrounds to understand what it is we mean when we talk about tech jobs and digital jobs. Because to those of us in our lovely bubble, 
it's obvious, isn't it? But if if you don't work in this industry, if you do, if your partner isn't in this industry or whatever, it's pretty opaque to figure out what do those people do, what are those jobs about, and I think. Too often we think, oh, well, you know, there's no career service now, so they're not doing it. And, oh, it's the teacher's job or, oh, it's somebody's job. But I actually think it's it's time employers stepped up mm, yeah. and did a lot more to explain. Yeah, and excite. Uh, and excite and say, these are the opportunities. Yeah. And it's, it's for everybody. It's not just for... Uh, the people who like to code in their bedrooms yeah. late at night or the people who play video games or, yeah, yeah. or, or whatever the stereotypes are yeah. um, and just get out there and it's, talk it's about hard to get, it. It's hard to get employers to engage. I mean, I, I promote, you know, the, the mentoring um, mornings at the UTCs mm-hmm. um, whenever they come up. And, yeah. you know, there, there are um, there are employers that are really good about, yes, about going are. along and talking and explaining. Yeah. And those kids need it because, you know, a lot of them come from engineering and manufacturing family backgrounds well, and was- really don't know anything. And are actually, you know, not just that, but they don't, they don't have any understanding and they don't take, get any credit for doing taking the path that they're doing mm. and so they need that support and they need to be you know shown what they can achieve and, and pull towards it and mm. I think the UTC is quite good at that but um, you know there are lots of opportunities for employers to get involved and I just wonder with you know the, the you know the advanced manufacturing requiring the same talent that they're, they're going to go about this recruit recruitment issue in a very different way than I think the tech industry has some information Locally, I found quite insightful that I think I think um, you know if you're thinking about strategy and attracting people, you need to be aware of. If you're looking at pipeline, sort of you know in the younger ages, the number one influence on people's career choices was their family. Mm. Yeah, yes. and, and now I didn't yeah. expect that. I thought um, you know careers. I know careers advice in school. You know gets mm-hmm. gets the bashing, and and it hasn't been a strategy requirement. I know we've now got a new. C-E-I-A-G strategy, which is very good um, about em- employee meaningful engagements. It's like, I think, is it seven throughout the lifespan I'm of school? still trying to figure is out it? what C-E-I-G oh, careers, stands for. Um, careers, careers education, education, information and guidance strategy. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Lovely. Yeah. Is it nationally or is that a local strategy? Yeah, there's a na- well, there's national Gatsby benchmarks. And um, so like a framework of what best practice means. And um, it was written by... Um, Karen Chalice the, uh, was written for Sheffield City Region. Um, so it's about employer engagements and so on. Um, however, the, the, the point I'm sort of bringing it back to is you can do the best job selling the opportunity and the, and the um, employers can. But if that kid goes home and says, oh, I'm going to go and enroll to be this. And then mum and dad says, no, you're not. Mm, yeah. I don't know anyone or I know someone that did that and they got made redundant or I know someone you know if, if they don't know what that is and that is a reality in Sheffield you know yeah, I've heard it from 15 year olds yeah there's a big disparity isn't there between one side of the city and the other side of the mm. city in terms of understanding and aspirations and and third generation worklessness and mm-hmm. that culture of fatalism mm-hmm. trying to overcome that we did um, a piece of work for Sheffield College recently trying to engage um, kids the apprenticeships because they've got loads of apprenticeships that they can't find the the, the individuals for and um a lot of the, these the kids were saying oh i just want to work in a warehouse i'm like why would you want to just work in a warehouse well that's what my mum does that's what my dad does and i think that's fine i think it, it's important to get re- reached out that's the people that think that maybe their parents more than them have worked out they think no oh, no no that's just what you do is you know you you go and obviously very traditional steel works Sheffield, isn't mm. it? And those sort of very traditional kind of jobs that, that maybe parents do influence that 
the kids should be doing things like that because they do think maybe not Steady, they know that reliable. tech's yeah or they think that tech isn't accessible to them as well what, what kind of backgrounds do you see chris so oh um so many backgrounds uh like all all literally all walks of life you know we've got people coming from from um you know very 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 sort of high paying lawyer or accountants that are just absolutely sort of sick to death of it we get quite a lot of people from recruitment mm-hmm. uh that no one probably <laughs> also sick to death of it hard job you get no credit for it yeah. uh, i think they see i think they see the opportunity especially in tech recruitment though they see the opportunities um yeah, why, why am I really dishing out all these high value jobs? To I think, well, you know, I, I want to do that. And then yeah. um, we've had people that, you know, have come from from the backgrounds we've been discussing where, you know, that zero hours stacking the shelves in, in the supermarket at two o'clock in the morning mm-hmm. who are now who are now software developers. So that's, Do you get many yeah. um, women returning to work after having kids? We have had that. Yes, yeah. we have. Um, again, something that uh, is, is, a, is, a, is a big, big push for us. We were involved, involved in something in Manchester called Tech Returners, which was all about women returning to work well anybody i suppose returned to work after looking after family or caring for you know caring for someone who who, who was who was ill uh, and we able to have, have those flexible hours a bit more and perhaps have a job that works around commitments yeah. a bit more yeah and mm. i mean the 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 um you know when we say there definitely is a, a skills shortage of skills gap and co- companies are doing everything that they can uh the forward thinking companies are the companies that are gonna that are gonna manage through this through this talent gap and keep growing as they want to are the companies that are saying yeah yeah of course well yeah if you want to come at 11 o'clock and stay till mm-hmm. yeah. six then 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 that works for us if that works for you it's so those are the companies that are take, going to taking action and investing yeah. Yeah. yeah which is most companies but then yeah you, of course you do get the old company that hasn't yet realised that they are going to really struggle as they as they digitalise themselves. Mm. They are going to really struggle to fill those vacancies if they don't change their their traditions. Like take, I mean, Jaguar Land Rover have hired. I, I could be wrong, but I think it's six people literally now from North Coders, and and they've just taken. It's a very traditional company, uh, obviously a very 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 big company, and they've just kind of set up their their tech hub, um, and and they've just completely taken it away from from the main, you know, the the main. Land Rover Centre, uh, and they've you know they've put it into Manchester and said right this mm-hmm. we have to be different here because mm-hmm. because what Not Land factory. Rover as a company isn't go, isn't going to be what 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 the you know the people that we need to, to to keep growing and you know make our cars drive themselves or whatever these manufacturers are going to need to do to to compete with with uh, Elon Musk or and mm-hmm. everyone mm-hmm. Uh, you know they, they need they need to change their company company culture uh, and and the way they work yeah. Lou, I was interested, you know, asking that question about women returners. Do you meet a lot of female candidates who are in that position and who are looking perhaps to do something different with their lives or yeah. go in a new direction? Yeah, I think it's it's forever disappointing to me when I have people that are really talented. That I mean... I'm an example. I had two children myself while running my business. You can't delegate that. You can't ask someone else to do that for you. So you have to step out for that period of time. And, um, you know, whether you work for yourself or whether you work for someone else, that has an impact. Um, And unfortunately, there's still a lot of organizations that perceive uh, for you to be there and be truly valued, you must be there nine to five every day at your desk because that's what working is. Mm -hmm. Um, So I see people get overlooked for for you know, promotion opportunities or senior leadership opportunities because they're not there full time. And then I have people coming back who've had little ones wanting to return to work and the options available 
are poor. Mm. You know, if they're senior candidate and they've got a lot to offer, um, the well, like I said, to, you know, looking at the stats of what jobs are on offer, so many of them are just full time. Mm. So I do challenge about that a lot and say, you know, if somebody lists a job, I'll say, does this have to be full time? Would we could we look at job share? And that doesn't work for every opportunity. Mm-hmm. But yeah, there's I would say there's a huge untapped talent pool of women that presented with the opportunities of what is available that fits around either school hours if you've got to do drop off and pick up you know you can own 10 till 2 and that actually choose not to return to work because the the availability of options is so poor that it ends up not worth it Mm. and that's a sad isn't it that's just a waste absolute waste so you know i know obviously we attend the sheffield um women in tech um, meetups and i know one of the ladies there was talking particularly about targeting those women to retrain I have a, a friend of mine who works, uh, she has a digital role, totally works from home. She does, she has insomnia, so she will be working between three and five in the morning because that works for her. Yeah. <laughs> and yeah. she can do the school run. <laughs> and, yeah. Um, yeah. yeah so. There are lots of people that work remotely that are based in Sheffield that work for, you know, North, North American or Far Eastern companies and work Absolutely. on their schedules. Yeah, yeah. we've got th- this, in, in the tech sector, there's much more opportunity for that, isn't there? There's yeah, some there sectors is. that I, because I, I we don't just recruit for this sector, we recruit for other sort of more, you know, white collar sectors. Yeah. That there's some roles where it's not it wouldn't be appropriate and I do get it but there is more flexibility that, that could be offered that isn't being definitely yeah. there's certainly um, people you know if we talk about uh, talent and skill shortages as people that can have or already do have that talent and those skills that, that, that need probably do need more flexible opportunities and flexi time is one thing but if you're still not looking at like job shares and part time hours because it's okay that you can come to work at 11 a.m. But if you still got to do, uh, you know, an eight to nine hour day, then that's not going to work for everybody. And I do think that probably is uh, yeah. sort of under underutilized. And maybe that's one thing that companies should should, should be thinking about doing. Right? How how can we make this work? And and, and you know, tap into this uh, into being even more flexible than than, than we are already. With yeah. technology now, there's no excuse really, is there? You know, mm. it's so easy for people to work remotely, mm. isn't it? And you know, if we're moving towards more kind of smart working and outcome based working, yeah, I yeah. think. It's like my, that day when you're going on holiday, you, you've got to get everything done that day because you've got to leave at a certain time. You get it done, don't you? If everybody yeah. had that every day, you're going to work 20, 30 hours over this many days, you'd get the job done Yeah, in less time. <laughs> yeah. My, my, my brother had a cancer scare last year oh. and he had to step away from quite a senior development role in a, okay. in a non-tech company, but a very large development. Um, uh, and when he came back... Um, they gave him uh, the troubleshooting role. So he was basically just, you know... He, squashing bugs um but he's turned that into his full-time role now because he was a so good at it and it, he could he could be completely flexible around his mm. treatment and chemo and everything else cool um, so that's yeah the tech yeah. companies there, there are there are jobs to do for experienced and capable people yeah. that companies are able to find if yeah. you think about it a bit. well interestingly i know i know um lucy our comms manager said i've got to mention it but our business breakfast next tuesday on the 22nd at the showroom that is about the war for talent in particular mark powell's who's from the burton street foundation um, in particular, he's talking about designing jobs for people and not the other way around. And about if you identify somebody that is talented, mm. you should be designing it or that has challenges. You should be designing your roles around that person rather than saying, this is what I need. Please apply and trying to match it that way. Yeah. yeah. Uh, I, I went to a uh, sort of diversity and inclusion bre- uh, evenings. It was in, in, in Manchester series of evenings. And that's basically a lot of what uh, a lot of what, people were saying that were leaders in, in, in that field were saying that, you know, you, that's what the problem is when you've just got a massive tick box, mm. you're going to less and less, um, you're always going to be filtering people out. 
Yeah. Whereas if you did your best to filter people in, it might be interesting to see what you've got uh, at the end of it. Yeah. 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 Coming back to your original question about what can employers do, one of the first things they can do is is not have, like I say, a massive war and peace six page front and back job and person spec that people will read and say, oh, well, I haven't got that or that, so therefore I won't apply rather than core non-negotiables flexible on the rest and be realistic about what the non-negotiables are can i can i add to that isn't it about time tech companies and all companies all over the world start putting salaries on their job birth (laughs) (laughs) controversially it's it's ridiculously off-putting like i was uh, this time last year before i went freelance i was looking looking for a job and i just thought oh, I'm not going to bother. <laughs> you know, it's just so frustrating. Like, I can just say roughly what you're yeah. expecting because it's, uh, in the tech sector, I, I, we haven't got time, but there's, I think there's a whole language problem as well yeah. for children. So if I said to my kids, we're very young, so let's say they're 10 years older and they're kind of early teens, do you want to be a software developer? They would go, no thanks, I want to do something that sounds fun. We say, do you want to grow up and make apps and websites? Say, oh, yeah, yeah, that sounds... Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. There's a real language problem as well. Yeah. Um, but yeah, uh, just not having any idea about whether a job is aimed at you or not is extremely frustrating. And, it, and a salary gives you a really good indication as to whether it's a junior, medium or, or senior role. Yeah. yeah. So you don't waste your time. It's just a waste of time. waste of everyone's time. Yeah. It is. First question you have to ask is, what's the salary? And it doesn't look great, is it, the interview? Yeah. Yeah, yeah I, do, I don't understand the rationale behind it at all. It's like, well, why wouldn't you at least give an indication? Yeah. Is it because actually what you want to be able to do is negotiate the person down as far as you can and if that's what you want to do why on earth would I want to work for you anyway because you obviously wouldn't value me and I'm going to say something this is really awful and I I can say it because I'm from here but there is sometimes a bit of that tight Yorkshire mentality (laughs) it is there is don't start negotiating I know I think I don't I don't want to agree with that Mel but I think that you are right that unfortunately um again like I say, my job is managing expectations. People will want the moon on a stick for rock bottom prices. It yeah. will be, I want the best person in the world. I want the best person I can get for the lowest price I can pay. And the two don't go hand in hand. So yes, you will have that. They will not put it thinking, um, right, ideally I want somebody, I don't know, say around 30 um, and you might come in at 35, 40. But what they are, some employers still haven't switched on to the fact that it's a two way and they think, that you'll be desperate to work for them and therefore, um, you know, they can can offer less. So I, I have to educate a lot of people about for people to make a move, especially in an area where there is a skills shortage, and there is, um, people will not make a move, no matter how great you think your culture is and that you can offer this and, um, you know, have a pool table or, what you know, what other perks are, unless there's an advantage for them career-wise, long-term, or a instant hit salary-wise, then what's the incentive to move? I'll, I'll add to this. Uh, I, I feel like I'm ranting. <laughs> this is, I've been it. waiting. Get it off your chest, Ian. Come on. <laughs> I think it's another problem that tech you don't and pay him. <laughs> I think it's another problem that tech and digital companies have. They spend far too much time persuading people that it's great because there's a pool table and you and free free coffee and uh, and you know we've got sandwiches. We're sandwiches. Do you want sandwiches? Come and have some sandwiches. Yeah. It's like that's not what people are interested in when they when they when they want a job. They want it's the job. Yes, it's lovely to have that stuff. It's but career development is yeah. a big thing. Yeah. I think Pro- proper PD planning, proper. This mm. is where long term 
But again, coming back to the, because so many businesses here are micro SMEs, don't necessarily have HR departments or training departments, don't necessarily have the capabilities in-house to properly develop people over their career long term. Mm. That's not to say the opportunities aren't there. They're perhaps just so busy doing the do that they forget to take that sit down, take that time with somebody and map it out so yeah. that they feel invested in. Yeah. But um, yes, sometimes, again, challenge of, of my role, sometimes I will have a, a role will be advertised at a salary band. So you'll put somebody in at that and then the employer will offer Less than that. It's even worse. Less than the band. Oh, it's awful. Yeah, yeah it's yeah. a terrible practice where people think, oh, yeah, I know we said this up to this salary, but, you know, you know, I'm going to offer this. And you, you can't, because what does that say to the individual? Yeah, make people feel valued. Make them feel that they've come in and that this is a good decision and they feel valued right from the onset. So with the salary and the package you offer and with the induction that you do, make sure that is really good, really explains the why, why we're here, what we're here to do, what's the mission of the company, you know, how do we all play a part in that? So many companies don't do that. They do it a bit in their interview process to sell the job. And then when somebody starts, chuck them in, here you go, off you, you know. And and then that person can be a bit of a rabbit in headlights. So um, there's, there are lots of things employers can do to um, ensure that when they do find that person, they bed them in so that that person will want to stay long term and will be, become a brand ambassador. Whether that person leaves, because they all get off the train at some point, don't they? So mm-hmm. whether that's short, medium or long term, that you leave it nicely, you respect that people move on, you don't, um, yeah, and then that person will go forward and say nice things in the community and then that benefits everybody. Yeah. So we've uh, sort of bashed employers a little bit oh, <laughs> in this conversation, some employers yeah. and and uh, perhaps also the education system a little bit, but maybe if we could end on a little bit of a high note, I'd be interested with each of you, something that makes you feel optimistic about the skills issue in the digital sector? If you can come up with anything. They're both looking at me like, Mel, I don't have a faintest clue. <laughs> I think, I think, I think uh, obviously, again, um, it's more to do with it exactly, you know, what I do day to day and what, what, what we do as a business. But we, we're certainly seeing plenty of the more, more, more and more and bigger and sort of SME to even to small companies come come to meet with us and discuss what we what we do and, and discuss their problems and start to actually think yeah well actually no uh, yeah I want to try this let's give this a go or why don't we try this and, and thinking right outside the box as to how they're going to um you know fill their vacancies and then obviously the, the more the more demand that's that's brought in by by all the jobs that are available, then you know the, we need to find the people to to do those jobs, whether that's through apprenticeships or education or or you know things like things like coding coding boot camps. Um, uh, and if we have to get into the schools to you know to make sure that people are thinking right after school or get to the parents, whatever we need to do. As long as the companies though are, are, are continuing to think think outside the box, which uh, they do seem to be doing, yeah. Yeah, I would say I've, I've been really encouraged. Yeah, we have bashed some, some employers. I need to add a caveat there to say not the employers I work with. <laughs> of course not. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I've been, I've been really encouraged through the piece of research that we did um, about hard to fill vacancies and just, I suppose, through working in the region, the number of employers that are active and engaged with schools, colleges, universities and the UTCs, whether they're going and giving projects for people to work on, whether they're offering work experience, whether they're taking people on placements whether they're guest lecturing um you know whatever it is they're doing i I think that um credit where credit's due in this sector people are more involved and engaged perhaps in other sectors and that's that's really encouraging because i think that's where the difference starts to to happen um 
so yeah so I think that that enables the education and the academia to work in partnership doesn't it and and be a bit be a bit more agile be a bit more responsive to make sure that what then starts to come out is actually what we need so I've been really encouraged to see that that dialogue is is open and occurring and I think Mm. that will will you can already see it starting to happen Mm. particularly you know the work um, you guys have done at the university and at the college promoting the higher level apprenticeships Mm. and the um, degree apprenticeships degree sorry I always say that Mm. degree apprenticeships um, and And the the level four yeah in the level four yeah you know that is going to feed people into the pipeline and that is being shaped by employers so that that should be yes. that should the innovation that we talked about people needing to have and the skills that we, it's going to be more we're going to have more people that are more employable i think if we want to say something good about the um the schemes like the government schemes for example the apprenticeship levy and the um apprenticeships apprenticeships being opened up to more people mm. uh making it possible for them obviously the, the levy is forcing the companies which are deemed to be able to afford to invest in in, in skills to, to have to do so and obviously at the same time it's also um providing funding to to companies um to to get people to train people on the apprenticeship scheme that that wouldn't that wouldn't be there so obviously apprenticeships is a huge thing it's certainly on our radar mm-hmm. um here at north coders and don't go through many hours, never mind days, where we don't uh, hear or talk about apprenticeships mm. in software development level fours, and probably more so than degree. Uh, that's watch this space on that one. Um, but that is something that that system, you know, if we can get it right, and obviously we can, again back to forward thinking companies, if we can change the the opinion, you know, to change the mindset of a, mm. of a software development apprentice, because we can get people into your company on an apprenticeship scheme uh, they are going to be really loyal to you because it does demand that loyalty. It's kind of, look, I'm giving this to you, you're giving this to me. And I, I think there, there is there is a like a traditional traditional loyalty sort of thing there. Um, that's uh, that, that's certainly something that, that that's encouraging, I think, yeah. Mm-hmm. We're seeing, I mean, it's quite interesting to see, you know, technology skills and, and digital skills, content skills being mm-hmm. kind of pushed down towards the vocational you know, yeah. educational routes rather yeah. than just, you know, comp sci and, and higher education degree level and post degree, mm. yeah. um, which of course there is a need for, but mm. you know, it's, it's the, it's, you can see the market maturing and you can yeah. see the educational and talent pipeline maturing. But the digital and tech, um, and you talk about these mostly 88%, was it SMEs in Sheffield now, 10 less employees, those companies yeah. are growing, growing, growing. The, those companies are going to be growing faster than the universities are producing that, yeah, producing right. the talent for yeah. them. So they're going to need, they're going to they need, need those skills before... The, the the universities have turned things around too. It's nothing wrong to the universities. It's just it's just the fact of the matter. So everyone, that's why everyone's starting to think outside the box. You know yeah. what can we do here? Yeah. Well, that's it. Well, they won't promote certain courses over other courses. It's people's just individual choices to what courses they do. Whereas actually in this region, we need to be saying, no, don't choose that, please choose this. <laughs> yeah. But we do. We do. Don't let the uni see you say that. <laughs> no, I know, but that is part of the challenges. I I will see certain roles we have. You can advertise, and there's an abundance of candidates. Yeah. So there's an oversupply in certain areas. And then there's certain roles, good roles, you know, good salaries right. where there's a shortage. And I just think that is not right for this. Re- that's not joined up thinking, is it? So no. we do need to no. start letting people know where the work is so people can make informed mm. choices. And more, more places that can convert people like well, Chris's. Absolutely. That's an, an, one, one point I do just need to make about... Um, when in the research about when we asked people about the level of experience that they wanted people to have and the top choice was one to four years work experience graduate one to four years um and then when you looked at how many companies offered placements for students so they could get at least a year of that Mm -hmm. experience Uh, it's 
contradicts itself completely. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, you know, people can't get experience unless you give it. Um, and then also with certain skills, Gats was saying, what, what's the reason for not being able to fill your vacancy? Mm-hmm. Um, candidate did not have rides required skill. So then we would ask about training and they say, we can't deliver. The, the, the top reason for not being able to deliver training was a time constraint. So again, you know, if you're not going to take the time to develop people from here to here, who is? Mm-hmm. Who are we? Who are we looking to, to mm. do that? Because expecting people, bang ready, work ready for your company for your role right now, I think is a bit outdated. And mm-hmm. I think people need to be a bit more realistic about. You might get someone that's seventy five percent there, and you need to add on the twenty five percent. I think we. I think we are seeing that, but it's just yeah. we need. We need. We need to keep. Uh, well, we basically need to keep showing the the results uh, and the success stories of the companies that are doing that yeah, to where they are now, uh, and that's going to be the way it's going to get yeah. sort of uh, banged into the to the to the companies that, that, that may be less so for whatever reason. Never always yeah. a bad thing, but yeah. uh, that maybe that maybe less thinking that's a good idea, or, or just 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 need convincing. Yeah. The more we can do that, the, the, the better, in my opinion. The yeah. key the key thing that as part of this report is we had to make various recommendations, and one of the key things we decided to do was highlight best practice examples in case there is a people already doing great work because Mm -hmm. you don't need to reinvent the wheel you actually just need to show people what they can emulate and what they can copy and there's loads of great examples of people engaging and doing brilliant you know brilliant work all across that spectrum and so if you shine a light on that people can say oh right they're doing it well it's easy for me to emulate as well i'll put put links to the report and to north code in the show notes won't we thank you very much come back again thank thank you no problem it's been great great to come thank you so there you go that was our interview with Chris Hill from North Coders and Louisa Harrison-Walker from Benchmark. Hope you found that interesting. Um, you are now transported into the future. And um, we thought that was a, a natural end to the conversation. We kind of let it go on longer than we, we typically do with the interviews. Um, but that's okay, isn't it? That's fine. Uh, but now it's left to me to tell you about events that are coming up in the next couple of weeks in the Sheffield region or thereabouts. Uh, so on the 22nd is the Benchmark Business Breakfast, the War for Talent, which is the uh, the event that Louisa mentioned there in the interview. That's on the 22nd, so in, um, what's that, today's what, the 20th, 21st, 22nd, that's on Tuesday. You need to get in there quick if you listen to this straight away. On the 24th of May, it's Leg Up Social. On the 24th of May, it is also 3Space, Knowledge Centre for 3D Imaging Launch Evening. You can find out about all of these events on the Sheffield Digital website if you just go to sheffield.digital slash events. On the 31st of May, it's Front End Sheffield. On the 5th of June, it's .NET Chef. On the 5th and 6th of June, it is a deep learning and GPU computing um, event. On the 12th of June, it is WordPress Sheffield. And then, of course, every Friday morning from around 9 a.m., you can turn up to Tampa Coffee on Arundel Street and uh, we'll have a geek brekkie, Chris. And uh, Chris is almost always there and uh, Mel is there whenever she can be. Plus lots of other people. It's been very popular recently. More people have been coming, which has been fantastic. Informal chat, cup of tea, can't go wrong. Um, and then finally, just to say a very quick a very quick and, uh, and, and uh, appreciative thank you to um, if you can have anything other than an appreciative thank you to our latest uh, individual members, um, uh, we have uh, who have we got? We've got uh, Kev Roberts and Layla Kroll. 
who both signed up to become individual members of Sheffield Digital since we last recorded the show. Huge thanks to them. And then for the companies, we have Arise and Business and Business Analysis Hub, which isn't easy to say for me anyway. Um, so thank you to those two companies too. It's uh, hugely appreciated. Makes lots of difference. Helps us do what we do, all that kind of thing. And uh, and that's it. Please go and subscribe to this show if it's the first time you've heard it. Um, then uh, I hope you enjoyed it. Go and tell someone about it. Leave a review if you want on iTunes, as long as it's positive, obviously. Don't bother if it's not. And uh, And that's it. We'll speak to you next time.